Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the good news with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Angie Austin here with the good news along with Jim Stovall. And we're speaking about his winner's wisdom column. This week it is listening and understanding. Welcome back, Jim. Always good to be with you. Okay, so you've been traveling and speaking. How is all of that speaking stuff going? It is going great. I I spent uh, my hour on stage yesterday, actually, uh, for a credit union banking convention thing. And it is good to be back out in front of people and doing that. And uh, I didn't realize how much I missed it until the pandemic uh, kind of... uh, took over everyone's lives. So it's great to be back out there. With yes. People. One of my friends, Ross Schaefer, is a speaker as well, and he traveled extensively prior to COVID. And boy, talk about um, an industry being completely shut off, like the water or electricity being turned off. I mean, it wasn't just a drip. It was nothing during COVID. So uh, that's not a very easy work from home kind of thing, public speaking. You can still do Zoom meetings, et cetera, but it's not the same as a full auditorium, I'm sure. Absolutely. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I did a number of those, but doing them from my conference room or my living room at home uh, certainly leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> right. Okay, so in listening and understanding, what are you teaching us this week? Well, we, you know, we live in a world where it's so easy to uh, converse with people or communicate with people, but we need to realize just because we're talking doesn't mean anybody's listening. And even if they're listening, it doesn't mean they're understanding. And, you know, and there are so many permutations that so many people think a conversation is I'm waiting till you take a breath so I can jump in and say what I want to say, or as contentious as the world has gotten, Angie, a lot of people are just waiting for you to say something that they can disagree with and dismiss you from that moment forward. And I have a good friend in Washington. We've worked together for 25 years through the Department of Education, and she knows I'm totally blind, and she sent me a photo. And it's a photo, it's almost 100 years old, of two gentlemen in tuxedos at a formal event. And, you know, it's it's Albert Einstein, and, you know, and he's, he's there. And, you know, you think of Einstein and all his stuff, and, you know, and then you think of who would he be with. And then here's this iconic figure, Charlie Chaplin. And, you know, it's just, wow, the, the, the two universes collide. You don't expect to see Chaplin and Einstein together. But what's amazing is under the photo are a quote from each of them, and Einstein says, you know, the whole world understands you and they can't hear you at all because he was in silent films. Right. And Chaplin's response was, everybody hears you and respects you even though they have no idea what you're talking about. And that's, you know, obviously most of us would relate to Einstein that way. And so, you know, I I think we need to, I always go back to my late great friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, who said, in any encounter, seek first to understand and to be understood. And that is such a powerful thing, and it's not easy to do. And Covey always said, 
unless or until I can understand your position and say it back to you in a way that you approve. You agree that I now have articulated your position. I should do all that before I even tell you what my position is. But I have found that in that process, sometimes of just trying to understand, you know, what both parties find out is we're not that far, far apart. We're really not that far apart. And I think, uh, I think particularly in the world we live in now, you know, you should deliberate before you debate, and you should learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah, and I think that's an art that many people aren't interested in learning or practicing in their day-to-day lives. I don't really like dissension, and so I kind of like to figure out a solution. Or if it's something that's really not that important to kind of, you know, the whole agree to disagree or, you know, kind of just let it go. Especially like in a relationship or family, like your goal really is to raise, you know, healthy kids who are well-adjusted, that people want to be around, that they want to employ, they don't get fired for being, you know, jerks and being late and being inconsiderate and talking back. You know, so my husband and I have the same goal. And so when we do have disagreements, I'm not really that intent on pursuing it, you know, till the death, you know, until let's duel this one out. I I, I kind of try to work out some amicable solution or whatever. And sometimes he does want to keep it going. And the other day, I remember we were trapped in the car going to some tournaments. We were going to be in the car for quite some time. And I said, well, we don't have to beat a dead horse, do we? You know, because I, I, I obviously wanted to let it go, and he didn't. And so he said, yeah, I, I'm not beating a dead horse. I just want to fi- find out why you said that in the first place. And I said, it doesn't really matter because we don't really agree on it. It was about mothers, you know, my mother-in-law and my mm-hmm. mother and comparing how we treat them. And, and then we're never going to agree on that. So I said, well, let's just, you know, let this one go. But uh, you, normally he can, but he just couldn't find it himself to let it go. But um, after I said that, he kind of realized that, oh, my gosh, I'm arguing with myself at this point because she has no interest right. in this debate. Well, and, and it's impossible to argue with someone that won't participate. <laughs> right. You, know, you, you, you just can't. And, you know, and I... I you know, I think your first goal in any discussion should be at the end of this, regardless of what we both think at the end of this, the the lines of communication should remain open. You know, if you win an argument, but the lines of communication are forever shut down, you've lost. There There is no winning that. And and it, when we really understand people, my first big interview on television, I used to do a political show out of Washington, the Washington Reporter, and the very first guest was Senator Ted Kennedy. And and if Senator Kennedy and I ever agreed on anything, it was probably an accident. I, but, you know, we, we got to talking, and I realized, you know, he doesn't want to ruin our country. He doesn't want to destroy our children. He, You know, we just had a different method in how we thought we would get to this same place. In fact, our, our goals would not have been that far apart. It's just uh, our mission was the same. It's our method that probably uh, is what we disagreed on. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is you two, um, you know, being so far, you know, across the aisle from each other in terms of maybe your political de- beliefs, um, I find friends of mine that I'm so similar to that feel like family that I can just go to their house and hang out. And we, One of my girlfriends, we cook together and um, we pick each- up each other's kids. You know, she's like a sister to me. And, uh, you know, we walk our dogs together. I mean, really, I mean, if you're cooking together, helping taking care of each other's kids and um, walking dogs together, you you are like family, you know, and I Mm -hmm. go to all of their family parties. Well, one day we started talking politics a little 
And I found out we were polar opposites, and she started, like, yelling and crying. And I looked at her husband, because um, my husband and I, I think you know, we we're um, on the other side of the fence as well. And um, and they are, too. She's um, a, a liberal, and he's conservative. And so we were all four of us sitting there with these, you know, couples that are divided. And I just said, look, here's the deal. Like, you're family to me. And we obviously have the same goals and how we get there might be different, but you and I care about exactly the same things and we love each other. And so we just have to drop this. This can't continue. But I think a lot of people get a charge or like adrenaline or like, they're like, oh, I can change this person or I can convince them. And what what you're doing is just driving, uh, you know, a stake in, in the middle of your relationship and severing it further and further. And like you said, what we have the same goal, so why would you want to do that? Yes, and the world becomes a better place, and you become a better friend, relative, and companion when you give up the need to be right. You know, I'm going to convince everybody I'm right, and I have to make them wrong. Right. When you give that up, and, you know, hey, it's okay if we don't agree on this. It, it's okay. I mean, uh, um you know, I mean, somewhere there's probably somebody that doesn't like chocolate chip ice cream or the Dallas Cowboys. It's hard for me to imagine that, but I'm yeah, certain that there either. is. Yeah, that's the chocolate it, chip ice cream. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and but there are all kinds of things, you know. And uh, and and uh, Crystal, my wife and I were at a place the other day, and they'd remodeled this wonderful hotel near our home. And we went in, and here's this three acres of carpet in the in the entry, and you know, and and she said, this has got to be the ugliest carpet I've ever seen. And I said, what's amazing is somewhere in a room, somewhere in the country, a group got together, looked at samples, and decided that's the best one right there. You know, I mean, obviously, that's that's why, um, you know, that's what makes a horse race is uh, different opinions and, uh, you know, two extremes and a million in-betweens. And that's what makes it all go around. That is funny. All right. So in terms of uh, Dr. Covey and his, you know, seeking to understand and then to be understood, um, I know you've learned a lot from him. What do you want us to learn, you know, from this article? Well, that, uh, you know, every conversation is not a debate. It's not a discussion. There's no reason you have to make other people right or wrong. Uh, they're entitled to their opinion. Differences is what makes it all great. And, you know, we, uh, you know, you hear so much today about diversity and all the things that make us the melting pot and it's the strength of our, and then we want everybody to agree with us and we want to disagree with everybody that doesn't already agree with us. And, uh, you know, it's okay. You know, it is really, really okay. And I remember back to, uh, 9-11 and, People who were on both sides of the aisle, extreme. Well, my my senator, Jim Inhofe, who was uh, selected as the most conservative senator at that time, he is standing on the steps of the, the, the House, uh, holding hands with Hillary Clinton, singing God Bless America. And, and, and you think, okay, these people have never agreed on anything, but on the important issues, when it comes right down to it, they're together. And uh, so I, I think that's the takeaway here. All right. Now, in terms of these people, because you've had so many <clears throat> powerful, influential, and well-respected friends, uh, anything else you can think of that when you think about Dr. Covey that you think, wow, I really learned such and such from him? Well, you know, Covey was such a powerful guy. I mean, it, 
people, if you're not getting the things done you want in your life, I always tell people to read his book, First Things First. I mean, most people, if you've read any of his work, it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But First Things First is just such an amazing book. And I remember he used to do this thing on stage when we worked together, and and he would call a, someone out of the audience and he had this big glass tank there and he'd say put these rocks in there put as many as you can put in there and they'd say that's completely full right and say yeah well then someone would come up with gravel say now put as much gravel in well they could pour a lot of gravel in there and he said now that's completely full right yeah and then here comes a guy and said now you come up here and fill it with sand and they could put more in and then it'd sand all the way to the top and he said so that's completely full can't get anything else in there. And then he handed somebody a bucket of water. So pour that in there. And you could put gallons of water in there. It fit. And, you know, and so he uses that as an example of how you should do things in your day. And you got to do first things first. Because you start by putting the water in there, then the sand, then the gravel. You'll never get it all in. Ah. And, you know, that's the power of, you know, prioritizing our day and taking control of our schedule instead of letting it control us. And so first things first, uh, equally as good as seven habits of highly effective people, just not as well known? Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. And, and you know, and of the seven habits, the sharpen the saw is the powerful one. Most people forget, you know, you're trying to saw down a tree and you saw faster and harder and harder. And you, you think that's the only way to get it done. And sometimes the very best thing you need to do is stop and sharpen your saw and take care of your tools and then you'll get done faster. And that goes with us. I mean, there's so many people out there burning the candle at both ends. You want to get more done? stop and get some sleep. I, I remember reading about a 14th century pope, and he said, before I was pope, I could not get through my day without two hours of prayer and meditation to, 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 to face all my tasks. Then when I became pope, I got busier, and I had to change that to four hours a day. Wow. And, and you know, that is so counterintuitive, but it's true. I mean, if you do first things first. I love that. Sharpen the saw. I've read that book and I forgot about that one. I need to re- reread that. JimStovall.com. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Be well. Edgewater is tuned to the Mighty 670 KLT. Arc Thrift needs your small furniture and electronics donations now. You can donate that end table or folding chair you've been meaning to find a new home for. Smaller sized furniture that can fit in your trunk and home goods like blenders and air fryers are items that ARC badly needs right now. They make it easy by unloading your car and your donations help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, the primary mission of ARC Thrift. ARC has high demand for small electronics like speakers, soundbars, Bluetooth speakers, and turntables. And once you donate, you can shop in the stores for your own treasured finds. Each ARC Thrift location has over 5,000 new items every day. So there is always something new and exciting. Every ARC Thrift store keeps their shelves fresh with new merchandise, so each new purchase will be special to you. ARC's donation centers are open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Sunday donation hours are available as well. To find the nearest ARC Thrift donation center, go to arcthrift.com donations. Hey there, friend. Angie Austin here with the good news. I thought you might get a kick out of this because I find it kind of useful, and we'll see if you do. Uh, Six good reasons to stop proving yourself to others this year. You know, when I was younger, 
I really did feel that need to like prove myself to others or get that acceptance. But, you know, saved at 13 when I was living with another family. And when I was living with other families, I was taken to church. But then when I moved back in with my mom as a teenager, she wasn't going to church anymore. And so I had this like 10-year period where I wasn't in church from maybe 16 to mid-20s. And then when I went back to church in my 20s, I just really felt complete through Christ and didn't feel that I needed to, you know, prove myself to anyone anymore or pretend I was something I wasn't or pretend I was better than I thought I was because I'd grown up so poor and in such a dysfunctional family when I was younger. I just felt like I had something to prove. And then once I was in my mid-20s and, you know, my faith was so important to me, I just didn't feel I had to prove anything anymore. I really did feel complete. But these, I think, are, are really good for all of us. Uh, six good reasons to stop proving yourself to everyone this year. Number one, it's imperative to honor your own boundaries. When you run into someone who discredits you, disrespects you, or treats you poorly for no apparent reason at all, don't consume yourself with trying to change them or win their approval. And be sure not to leave any space in your heart to dislike them or waste your energy on that. I really let things like roll off my back now, like the duck, you know, I just... Try not to worry about disappointing others or, you know, I do my best, of course, but I just uh, try to be true to myself and my values. And, you know, we just can't make everyone happy. One of my friends said once when she was on, you know, radio and I was on TV and some people just don't like you and they write, you know, mean things to you. She said, you know, if you go to a car lot, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of people like different cars. You might like the Mercedes or you might like the Volkswagen or, you know, the Tesla. It doesn't mean that the other cars aren't good. Just everybody has different tastes and who they like on the air per se. Okay. Number two, the people worth impressing want you to be yourself. Isn't that true? The people that really love you, you know, they do want you to be yourself and be true to yourself. In the long run, it's better to be disliked for who you are than loved for who you are not. I worked with an anchor woman that said that she liked to be vanilla because everyone likes vanilla. But she said, you know, a lot of people don't like chocolate or pistachio, but everyone likes vanilla. So I just stay really vanilla. And I never wanted to be like that anchor woman that never had any personality. And I just stay really neutral. So I won't offend anyone. But no one will really think I'm great. But no one will dislike me. I will just be vanilla. I just, it wasn't me. I just wanted to be like funny if I wanted to be funny or goofy or make a comment or just be myself. It's so stressful to try to be someone else. I just felt it was easier to be myself. And then if people didn't like me, then they genuinely didn't like me. But I didn't want them to dislike me or like me for being a fake person, you know? All right, number three, and this is from Mark and Angel. You know, I love that website. Number three, you are the primary person who can change your life. In every situation you've ever been in, positive or negative, the one common thread is you. It's your responsibility and yours alone to recognize that regardless of what has happened up to this point in your life, you are capable of making a choice to change your situation or change the way you think about it. I always tell my mom that, you know, like you can change the way you think about this, mom. You don't have to look at life in every situation through these dark, sad, angry, bitter glasses, you know, not, not everyone's out to get you or to wrong you. Usually people are more concerned with themselves and they really aren't out to get you per se, right? I mean, maybe in high school, people are more concerned about gossiping about others. But I think in general, we, you know, people aren't really worried about you and what you're doing. All right, number four, society's common measurements of worth are worthless. Isn't that the truth? When you find yourself trapped between what moves you and what society tells you is right for you, you just be true to yourself. Um, unless you want everyone else to be happy except for you. You know, you really make yourself happy when you're true to your values, your faith, yourself, and you do the right thing. 
Uh, life isn't a race, number five. Everyone wants to get there first and shout, look at me, look at me. But the truth is most of your happiness and your growth occurs while you're moving, like enjoy that journey. It's not the growth that occurs standing at the finish line. It's the growth that occurs in the joy, in the journey, you know, and I, I have to really watch that myself, you know, to enjoy the journey and not, you know, be looking forward to when I achieve this or when I do this. Number six. The path to most great things passes through failure. I think so many people have a hard time with this, that they think failure is just failing. Failure really is a step to success. And so many famous people have gotten rejection letters that they post on the wall. So when they are successful, they can remind themselves of all the people that doubted them when they continued to believe in themselves. You know, and I just think that the world has different standards for us than we have in ourselves and we can't fall prey to that pressure to, you know, be like others, conform to others' values, you know? And, you know, it can be difficult. And I think, too, another thing we talk about is spending your time and energy and your money on the things that you have a passion for that bring you joy and not wasting your time on energy and, you know, saying yes to people and things that you that really aren't important to you, you know? Um, I definitely am thrifty, but I spend my money on travel and my kids, basically, you know? Oh, and, and real estate. I mean, I think that's a very valuable thing. But speaking of travel, uh, you know, it's just such a joyful thing to do. And so many people like to travel here. I mean, it really is great. Now that the holiday's over, you know, a lot of people wanting to take, you know, some winter vacation time or even do a staycation. And joining us from Denver's Union Station to explain why Denver is a great place is travel expert Jennifer Weatherhead. Jennifer has visited more than 70 countries, and today she's teaming up with Visit Denver. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Angie. 70? I mean, are you ever home? <laughs> it might be more than 70 at this point. <laughs> it might be up to 80. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got to find you on social media and follow you. That is fantastic. So um, I, I'm familiar with Denver, uh, the Union Station there, and I know a little bit about the ski train, although I've never taken it, so I'm dying to hear about that. But let's start with the special day at Denver's Union Station. What's going on? Yeah, so just like you mentioned, today is a really special and exciting day because it is the official kickoff for the Winter Park Express train. So the ski train that takes you from Union Station, downtown Denver, straight to Winter Park Resort, it's so convenient because you don't have to worry about getting in a car and being stuck in traffic. You can skip the driving, head straight to the slopes, just get into some of that ski time, and it really just should be part of every winter itinerary here in Denver. And I think Denver might be one of the only places in the country where you can actually hop on a train, combine some mountain adventure with that world-class urban dining that we have here, the arts and the culture, and you can do it all in the same day. Well, I think what's so cool about that from what my friends have told me is just, like you said, the, the ease and simplicity, but you're not looking for parking and you're not schlepping from like the parking lot with all your friends with all of your kids' gear and they make it really convenient for you to load up your gear or rent it up there. So to me, it just makes what can be kind of an arduous experience of getting all the kids, getting all the skis, trying to load them all up, driving up, trying to find parking. Oh my gosh, look how far we have to walk in the snow. It just makes all of that so much easier. I know, right? And I mean, when we want to get this time to escape and explore and be out in the wilderness, you don't want to be all stressed out while you're doing that too, right? So just 
skip the driving, skip all of that traffic and all of that hassle, take the train. It's just so much easier and relaxing. Oh my gosh, you just mentioned something I forgot about. Uh, I've worked in the TV news business for years, and one time, almost our whole morning show was um, in. I was up skiing, and then there were road closures, and almost the whole morning show, like I would say, seventy percent of the staff didn't make it back because they had to take all these back roads because you know you get blizzard conditions, you get accidents, you get traffic jams, and so I I forgot about that that you have to make it back for work sometimes to put a morning news show on the air. And my husband was the director at the time, and he was one of the people stuck. So yes, the train would help with that. Yeah, yeah, it's very convenient. You don't have to worry about being stuck. And also, you know, the wintertime, you never know what kind of things you're going to get in terms of weather. So right, right. take it easy and take the train instead. Well, let's talk about some of the other, um, you know, attractions or fun things for pe- people to do. Because I know just from traveling around the country that Denver is one of the hot spots. When I bring up Denver, a lot of people say, oh, I live there or I want to live there or I love it there. I mean, it's really popular. Yeah, and you know, like I've traveled a lot all over the world, and I do have to say that Denver is probably one of my favorite cities for sure, and it's because it really is just a cool vibe when you're here. I mean, some of the things, I mean, why you would want to live here, 300 days of sunshine, that wouldn't be so bad. You have that world-class dining, you have all these great cultural attractions, and the outdoor adventure kind of makes that perfect combination for a winter destination. For anyone who is visiting from out of town, the Denver International Airport It's close enough to the city that you can grab a train from the airport to get easy access to downtown and Union Station. And then I think also just in terms of the whole idea of skiing, too, it's the Mile High City for a reason. It's a mile above sea level, and the benefit to that is that when you stay in Denver for a little bit before you go skiing, you have to acclimate to the altitude before you head out there. So if you're visiting Denver, it's such a great way to just chill out and relax in Denver before you do some of these day trips to do some skiing. Well, I um I I know that when that ski train, by the way, did go away for a little while, people were really disappointed. So, it coming back was such a great thing. And then, um, any other like you can think of like can't miss attractions. I know there's a few things here that I haven't seen. Like, um, what is it? Meow Wolf is newer. The zoo's open all the time. That's one of my favorites as well. And the hiking just can't be beat. And if you want to take a little day trip. I went to college in, at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and I think that is one of the coolest towns like in the world as well. So you can kind of add that on to your Denver trip. Yeah, I mean, there are truly so many things to see and do when you're in Denver. I mean, one of the most important things for me when I'm traveling is definitely the food. So I love that Denver's dining scene has been highlighted in the news over the past year because in 2023, Colorado welcomed the Michelin Guide to the state. So now Denver has, is home to 26 Michelin Guide-recognized restaurants. It's so diverse here in terms of cuisine. You have barbecue, Israeli, Mexican, Latin, Italian, so many great things. You're close to local farms. You get all those unique flavors and fresh ingredients. They have outdoor dining still in Denver with yurt-style pods and patios. And and then, like you mentioned, there's so much to see on the arts and culture side. First of all, you need to go to Meow Wolf. I've been there. It's an incredible experience. Oh, I want to. you You have the local street art scene here, too. It's really fun. And then the Denver Art Museum has an all-stars exhibit happening right now. You can learn all about art conservation at the Clifford Still Museum. I went there for the first time recently. Oh, cool. and it was amazing. You have all these Broadway shows that come through, too. So Chicago, Hairspray, Shrek, they're all at the Denver Center of Performing Arts right now. And, I mean, on another note, the music scene, I love Red Rocks Amphitheater. It's truly a reason to come to Denver just to go there. And you have sports, too. So Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche in terms of hockey, 
really, truly something for everyone when it comes to visiting Denver. And I think that's what makes it so attractive. Yeah, you're reminding me of things that, I mean, some some of the best concerts I've ever seen were at Red Rocks. And I'm dying to go to a Nuggets game. So that would be so cool. Well, I, I want people to be able to get more info if they want to check out the train and Denver in general for some of that, you know, really cool activities. Where do they go for more information? Yes, you can get all of that information at visitdenver.com. And just to point out again, that train, it leaves from Union Station in the morning. You return by 6.40 p.m. at night after you have a nice fun day at Winter Park Ski Resort. Kids can ride 50% off, so perfect for families. And it's just a fun way to combine that outdoor adventure with some urban adventure. But again, visitdenver.com tons of great tips on that site you can even get some tips on renting outdoor gear if you don't have kind of that winter and ski gear and you don't want to lug it around great tips for that and don't forget to pack your sunscreen because 300 days of sunshine means that those ski slopes are going to be extra sunny and you want to be protected well thank you so much jennifer and how do we find you on social media so you can find me at jen weatherhead j-e-n-n weatherhead and you can keep up with all my travels there i hope you can follow me well i appreciate it i will be i'm gonna go find you right now thanks jennifer Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.